This is the Media Week Industry Podcast from the people at mediaweek.com.au. Welcome to a new Media Week podcast. We're going to be looking at the impact on advertising by COVID-19. It's been a challenging year for uh, everybody, of course, um, and uh, as well as the advertising market. Joining me today to talk a little bit about that is Stephanie Famolaro. Now, she's from the Trade Desk uh, Stephanie's the Director of Business Development and API for Australia and New Zealand. Welcome, Steph. Thank you. Happy to be here. Thanks for having me. Now, the Trade Desk, um, give us a little bit of background on what you guys do. Now, it's all about digital advertising. Yes, correct. So, the Trade Desk is a technology platform um, that allows advertisers to create, manage and optimise digital advertising campaigns across many different formats and devices. Uh, we've got 1,500 employees globally in 24 different offices. Uh, and in Australia, we've just hit 70 people. And what's interesting about our market is that we're engineering-led. More than half of the staff here are engineers. Okay. Has it been going long in Australia? Uh, yes, we're over five years in Australia and we just celebrated our 10th year globally last year. Okay. And so we're going to be talking about the, the different way people have, have been consuming media this year is one of the things we'll get to. Now, you get all these insights from all the data that passes through your systems from, from advertisers? Yes, yes, that's correct. And, and our clients are typically um, advertisers and agencies, whether that be from large holding groups and we also have many independent buyers, uh, and we do work with some brands directly in Australia. Uh, we also partner with a number of different inventory providers, um, publishers and broadcasters across Australia, uh, and we are um, on the demand side platform, uh, meaning that we, we service uh, buyers, um, and that's where, where our uh, key differentiator is in this market. I thought the first thing I might ask you about, how is um, the volume of of trade being impacted by. So we've heard about some advertisers pulling back, some keeping their sort of similar levels, some maybe spending a little bit more. In general, to you, how, how do you see it? Yeah, and it has it has definitely varied by, by industry. Um, I think whenever we face economic crisis, marketing budgets are usually the first to be scrutinised and cut down. Uh, and whilst it might, might seem uh, counterintuitive to maintain or even increase your marketing dollars in tough times. Um, there's a lot of history that shows evidence of, um, of demonstrating the value of investing ahead to sustain long-term brand growth. Um, and we have seen many advertisers take up the opportunity um, with a lot less clutter of ads at the moment um, and noise surrounding consumers so that brands have been able to sort of gain um, a higher share of voice throughout this time. Okay, and then what's been the impact on sort of uh, video advertising? Yes, so we've seen huge growth across uh, connected TV and, and video throughout this period. Uh, we actually saw two and a half times the number of available impressions throughout the COVID um, phases from phase one to three. And according to Think TV, um, you know, uh, broadcaster video on demand was up 26% compared to pre-lockdown. Um, so, you know, COVID-19 has definitely delivered the biggest jolt to the way that consumers are behaving online. Um, and, and media usage is also changing in, in real time. You know, where we go for news, inspiration and distraction has shifted rapidly. Uh, but across all channels, particularly video, streaming audio, um, and news, we have seen significant growth within those within those areas. 
Would it be right to think maybe some of the traditional media players in Australia, and I'm thinking maybe of the um, the broadcast TV networks, perhaps a little bit late to the game uh, on BVOD, but but they've really sped it up in the last year or two? Yeah, absolutely. I think a lot of investment by the broadcasters has gone into their streaming platforms um, and the growth has been absolutely phenomenal. Um, according to Think TV, there was roughly 140 million um, last year, sorry, this year and uh, sorry, last year, 140 million and we're forecasting over 170 million um, for this year. But the broadcasters have invested a lot within that space and that is definitely where the fastest growth is happening across the CTV space. That's um, yeah, that that that's big growth, but I guess it's still a small compared to what the the traditional linear TV still attracts. Yes, absolutely, and and audiences are shifting uh, as well. And I think you know one of the more noticeable areas um, across linear TV usage was the cancellation of um, you know marquee broadcast television events like the Olympics and the shortening of the NRL and the AFL um, seasons. It meant that large brands. Um, face the challenge of reaching their target audiences with the same advertising budgets in, in sort of different methods. Um, and so with the Trade Desk, we have been um, working on, on creating tools that allow brands to have um, that incremental reach from their linear TV audiences to be able to really follow um, consumer usage and, and how that's changing over time. So, so with no live sport on then, can you sort of um, still find that audience by, by accessing other other content or product? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, the audiences are shifting. And as I mentioned, um, streaming services have gone up um, significantly. Uh, we saw an increase in watching news, time spent on apps. Um, podcasts have gone up uh, quite significantly. So consumers are, are viewing different type of content across, you know, different devices, but, but the users are definitely still there. The viewing experience when it comes to ads on some of these sort of BVOD um, platforms still isn't great. I mean, you, sometimes the ads are a little bit clunky. Sometimes the same ads repeated a lot. Um, is, d does that matter that much for the experience or do you think that it's something that will get better and improve? Oh, absolutely. I think that we've come a long way um, in terms of the technology that's available to manage things like frequency capping, um, how many times a user is exposed um, to the same ad, um, the quality of the ads and the streaming. Um, we have seen um, vast improvement and I do think that it will continue to do so. Um, I think what's happened as a result of COVID is that we've accelerated the pace of that change as well because users are now consuming a lot more media in home um, and so you know as I mentioned throughout phase one to phase three the growth that we saw across available impressions across um, broadcast video on demand was was absolutely huge and I think we'll continue to see um, brands uh, be comfortable in that space um, you know, one of the one of the post recovery changes that we think we'll see is that um, data will become the common currency for businesses, uh, media outlets, and the internet. Given that ad dollars will have to work harder than they ever have before, and it's been great to see a number of brands um, start to really test the CTV space and and use that as a medium, whereas before it could have been something that was a little bit more of a slower transition. Those changing habits, do you think we'll see some of them swing back a little bit to maybe pre-COVID patterns or do you think a lot of this stuff is, is just changed now for good? 
Uh, I think that brands have had um, a, a bit of a adaption, a process of adapting to to creating different marketing mixes um, in order to take advantage of the recent uh, increases in media consumption. Um, I think that it will depend on the vertical and the brand and the data that, that they have available. But our recommendation um, has been to, to be able to leverage technology and data to earn sort of customer customer loyalty by meeting changing consumer demands and online. I think that um, brands won't be able to ignore the changes in attitudes of consumers as well because COVID has changed the mindsets of so many people and, and attitudes towards brands. So I think that the brands that, that have, you know, adapted to that and the changes of consumer behaviours um, will continue to succeed in a post-COVID world. And do you think uh, any brands have had to rethink their, where they like their uh, messaging to be placed in terms of content? I mean, there's so been so much news this year and audiences have really been attracted to news and it's still doing pretty good numbers. I mean, were there people in the past who might have avoided that but now they think, oh, maybe it should be part of our, our messaging? Yes, and I mean, brand safety um, has been a huge area of concern for many brands, global and local, throughout this point. Um, you know, one of the interesting uh, concepts with this particular um, epidemic or economic downturn versus others is that there is um, a real uh, perseverance and, and presence of social media. And, and as such, there is a lot of, of news and user-generated content um, that could sort of provide misinformation or, or amplifying incorrect information. Um, and so, you know, I do think that um, it, that has been at the forefront of advertisers' minds when deciding where to advertise. Um, but, you know, it'll be interesting to see how that continues post-COVID. It's the whole brand safety thing's nearly a separate podcast, isn't it? But just in, yes. in, in general terms, I mean... Um, has traditional media beat up brand safety a little bit just to try and just to try and keep a lot of business that was drifting away or, or are there really still problems with things like Facebook and maybe um, even YouTube? Uh, I think that brands are becoming a lot more aware of, of where they are advertising and the type of content that they are advertising around. Um, from our point of view, from the trade desk, um, we support and focus on running on the open internet. Um, we support good journalism um, and our buyers are running on activity that is um, not on board gardens or, or primarily user-generated uh, content. Um, but as you mentioned, brand safety could be a whole another podcast. Um, but there is such strong awareness throughout and there are such great technologies available to help, um, I guess, support brands who are making that shift from traditional media in, into more digital mediums as well. Has there been an impact on um, ad rates from um, COVID? I mean, is that, has there been, you know, temptation for people to lower rates and how flexible is that market? Does it, does it swing on availability? Is it, is it a bit like the stock market? It goes up and down depending on how many people want it in a particular week? Yes, absolutely. And, and the area that we work on in, in programmatic advertising, um, the impressions are based on, on, on an auction mechanism. So demand and supply uh, play a major role um, in the pricing. Um, as I mentioned, when we start to see a lot more available impressions on a particular channel, whether that be audio or, or CTV, um, then that could also impact the pricing. So we were able to um, see some brands 
take advantage of that and secure um, lower lower cost impressions because of that supply and demand change. Um, talk to me a little bit about uh, audio, and I, I guess that that does that cover both uh, podcasting, which is getting some real momentum, but I guess um, live radio as well, if you like. Yeah, absolutely. So at the trade desk, we focus on um, programmatic audio. Uh, we've got a number of different uh, audio providers that we work with. Um, Spotify is obviously something, a platform that's, that's quite prominent in this market. Uh, and what we did see is, you know, streaming audio help audiences escape and stay informed um, as we spend more time away from a fixed workplace. Um, throughout Q1, digital audio grew grew 13% and uh, Spotify were able to release some really interesting insights around um, audio consumption throughout the COVID period. Um, <coughs> excuse me, sorry. Uh, the types of listening shows that, that people were listening to and, and the genres had sort of shifted a lot. Um, a lot of podcasts are uh, listening time on, on self-improvement, whether that be wellness or meditation grew um, and obviously entertainment com uh, content as well with with comedy, and I think another interesting trend um, was sort of settling into the listening behaviours that, that that we would typically see on a Sunday. So what Spotify saw was midday consumption rise um, and weekday use of home connected devices on par with weekend use. So where we would typically see trends and patterns of how people are consuming digital audio, um, that that was something that that changed dramatically throughout the COVID period. Yeah, the. Um yeah, you mentioned Spotify. Do any of these sort of um, the Australian radio networks have all got now significant podcasting divisions? I guess are, are they moving into this space? Are they are they are they players there yet, or is that something that will develop? Yes, absolutely. There are a lot of um, traditional radio networks that are um, venturing into the podcasting space. And um, I know that it's such a huge area of investment for, for many companies, um, given the proliferation of, of podcasting and, you know, the one-to-one -one connection um, that you get, even as a brand, to be able to communicate with the consumer that's in that mindset of listening to content and, and they're very attentive and it could be, you know, a voiceover from someone that, that they trust. It's a really unique and interesting opportunity and I think it will be um, a massive area of investment for, for many companies and brands over the next couple of years. I guess to buy programmatically, do the, do the um, publishers need scale and volume? Is that why we see things like ARN's iHeartRadio get access to all that iHeartRadio US content. Um, similarly with maybe SCA's Podcast One, they, um, they're just building a massive number of podcasts as well as getting access to their, their, their through a partnership in the US. <laughs> Yes, absolutely. So I think scale and reach in this market is something that we have to consider across any channel uh, and, and podcasting is, is no exception. I think that from a uh, technology point of view, what advertisers and brands are able to do across podcasts now is, is changing dramatically um, in terms of measurements and, and targeting and reporting. And whilst podcasting and, and audio streaming should still be viewed somewhat separately because it's not comparing apples and apples. Um, uh, podcasting as a channel is becoming more in line with, with some of the other existing digital channels and as such brands can sort of still run in an omni-channel way um, and have a holistic view of their entire media plan. 
ask you about some of the terminology. I mean, just this morning I had a, a free-to-air network tell me, look, the market's very short at the moment. It's something you hear a lot these days and it, it's been short for a couple of years, I think. But um, in terms of uh, what uh, the trade desk does, I mean, I, I guess a, a lot of your the, the stuff would be things that um, is developed over a short period of time. Do they? Is there ever a lot of long-term stuff? Oh, absolutely. Our, our, the way we um, ship product, we're shipping, you know, over 600 products um, or product enhancement and features um, in a very short period of time. We obviously have, you know, what we call big rocks or areas of focus um, over the year in terms of product development, but we've got engineers working around the clock in a number of different markets um, on a lot of the short-term um, planning features as well. Yeah. What, what I mean, at the trading desk, your people who... Um I don't know, do you have people that research the media, I guess, and um, try to keep abreast on what's popular and stuff like that? Um, Absolutely. And, and what sort of what sort of things move the market? What what sort of con- consumer behaviour and sort of consumer tastes impact on what sells? Yeah, and we're we're in a very lucky position because. At the trade desk, we are completely objective. Um, we don't own any of our own media and as such are quite well placed in the industry to to work with um, a number of different providers, inventory partners, brands, you know, brand safety providers, um, data vendors, um, creative operators. And so we are accessing a lot of information in a very, very agnostic way. And, you know, it, all of our product development is client driven everything that, that we build is, is as a result of, of a client request. And so, you know, for us, um, keeping informed on, on marketing trends and, and consumer insights and, and areas of focus is, is something that we have to prioritise. And, you know, as I've mentioned, connected TV is obviously a huge area of growth for us in terms of, um, in terms of where our investment will go as a business in the years to come. I mean, since you've been in the market here, I mean, you you started with nothing and in five years you've, you know, got a fair bit of scale. Um, have, you, have you had an impact on the marketplace? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I think that the trade desk in Australia has provided a really good alternative for brands who are looking to diversify um, away from just running across walled gardens, um, being an open and, and transparent and an, an objective platform um, we have made quite an impact on the market here. And whilst we don't break out revenue publicly um, by region, you know, we had three billion, over three billion um, of spend, ad spend go through the platform in FY19 um, and over 600 million um, in total revenue for the company. So we are very scalable. Um, we've grown massively. Even, you know, my time here is almost three years. And, and when I started, we were in a, in a serviced office of, of less than 20 people. And um, now we're just about to prepare to, to go into our third office or fourth office while whilst being here. Yeah. And what, what, what are you sort of forecasting? I mean, it's, um, it's, it's not a fair question these days, is it? Where <laughs> I'd like no. to happen in 24 hours. Yes. But, but what, what's your feeling for um, how this year might play out? Um, it obviously, it's been a very interesting year and, and it's very early to call out what the long-term impact could be uh, of COVID. Um, one of the trends of what we have seen, which has been really interesting, is um, brands' appetite and agencies' appetite to, to really innovate during this time. Um, there's so much going on in a day-to-day capacity that we don't often stop and think about the long-term 
um, sustainability of the business. And so it's been very interesting to, to see, um, you know, the leading brands and agencies prioritise, um, you know, their automation processes or uh, are there workflow efficiencies they can be creating? Are they sitting on data sets from clients that they could be better utilising? Um, and so, you know, it's interesting to see, I think that post-COVID, in a post-COVID world, we'll see innovation, um, differentiation and competitive advantage in the form of intellectual property or technology. Um, we'll see that really accelerate going into H2. Steph, how's the, um, how's the Australian industry um, compare with what's happening overseas? I mean, are we sort of up there when it comes to technology or are we, are we still developing um, still developing? <laughs> I would say we're absolutely market leading and there's a lot that we've been able to lead um, from the Sydney office. I think that Australia, we're quite blessed that we're a pretty agile market, or as I like to say, there's less people to say no. Uh, and we Australians have quite a large, in general, appetite uh, for risk. Um, and we are very innovative in, in our thought um, and the way we execute is, is pretty quickly. Um, a lot of our partners and brands and agencies are always willing to participate in, you know, betas and, and in various testing of, of new products and features. So, you know, Australia on a global scale, we're, we're very significantly placed. Um, we're also the large Australia at the trade desk with the largest market um, out of APAC as well. So I would definitely say Australia is very well placed um, in the innovation space. Is it has it become, I mean, would some people look at this, maybe in old timers like me, maybe, does it become too impersonalised at all? or and, and do relationships still play a part in it at all? Absolutely. I think at the trade desk, we, we believe in human and machines. Um, there's definitely a misconception that programmatic is here to replace jobs or remove jobs, when in actuality it's, it's here to make people's jobs better, to replace the tasks uh, that, that machines can do to give people back time to spend on more revenue driving tasks uh, is where we see the future. So what we push will always be a combination of, of human and machine. Yeah, yeah. Okay, look, that's pretty good. Look, I, I think we've sort of um, covered a fair bit of stuff. The, um, so, yeah, so still a, still a fair bit to play out in, in what will happen this year, but there have been big changes in, um, in, in the market and you, you think a lot of that stuff's here for good. Absolutely. Yeah. All righty, look, great uh, talking to you today. Thanks for that, Steph, and um, look forward to maybe speaking to the trade desk again sometime. We look forward to it. Thank you very much for having us.